You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Battery Power Podcast Network. I'm Chris Willis, and I'm again joined by my co-host, Stephen Talbert. Stephen, how are you doing tonight? What's up, Chris? Yeah, it's a uh, you know, disappointing series that we just had with the Mets. Uh, it's going to happen, but uh, it's good to be on. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of, a lot of stuff happened since the uh, last time we talked, so it's going to be a good episode. Yeah, that Mets series... Um... Oh man, that was a ton of buildup uh, for it, and it was fun. Uh, it's, it, it's weird. I know it's it's just the end of middle of July actually, but there was a lot of hype for that series. And uh, you know, I think uh, I think I heard Brian Snicker say it more than once that you know nobody was going to win or lose the division uh, over these three games, and and I think that uh, that's valid point uh because man some of the reaction on twitter uh, it was like it was like playoffs again it was like we were living and dying on every pitch uh and you love you like to see that uh, you like to see that kind of excitement but you know you got to keep perspective too i mean they play they play the mets 12 more times and it, it'll the next series will be right after the trade deadline so you know the thing this thing's going to be interesting going down the stretch yeah i was thinking about this today as I was kind of watching the tail end of that last game. I was thinking, why why has this series felt so much bigger than you know, like you said, it's the middle of July. I mean, we're still in the we're still pre All Star break, um, but this series just felt like it was massive for some reason. And I think part of the reason was the Braves did have a chance to be in first place if they had swept this series. And and since they were ten and a half games back, not that long ago, it felt like a really big deal if they could sweep. And then also, I think the fact that the Braves and the Mets really haven't played that much this year, you know, that first or maybe second series of the year was supposed to be against the Mets. And obviously it got canceled because the season started late. And so these teams really haven't seen each other that much. And I think that combined with, you know, the ability to, to be in first if they had swept the series, I think it, it added quite a bit of intrigue and, and, and hype to a, you know, what normally would just be another series in July. No fan base more than the Braves should know exactly, you know, how volatile an entire baseball season can be and, and all the big swings that can happen in the second half. We saw it last year with playing like crap for three months and then, you know, winning the World Series. So it, it was it was fascinating to watch to be on Twitter this weekend it was really interesting. I sent out a couple of tweets about, you know, people really got to back out back off the ledge. You know, this is. This is July. I mean, we got so many more games. There's so much baseball left to play this season. Like you said, so many more games to play, specifically against the Mets. So it was fun, but I, you know, 
of course, Brian Sticker is correct. Nobody was going to win or lose it this weekend or this week. Yeah, I think some of that is probably because they were, you know, they just couldn't get out of their own way the first two months. And then they caught fire and you just kind of got that feeling that, hey, they're never going to lose again, you know, or they're going to win all these series. And, you know, it was just disappointing. But, uh, you know, you got to remember, too, this Mets team's good. I mean, I got some tweets Monday night that was, uh, uh, you know, talking about, well, we've turned back into the April Braves. And, I mean, that was Max Scherzer on the mound. You know, that's a rested Max Scherzer on the mound that was – uh, you know, it's a future Hall of Famer. I mean, you gotta you gotta check yourself because I mean, you can't you can't keep that level of uh, stress up between now and the postseason. So you know, it was it was fun. It was a fun series. It's disappointing to drop two out of three, uh, but you know, you're still right there within striking distance. The Mets aren't going away. They're a good team. You know, I, yeah. I think unless unless the injuries just really hit them, you know, I think they're going to be right there down the stretch. And uh, you know, that's one good thing about this expanded postseason you know i think the you want to win the division uh but you know i look at the mets i look at the braves those are two playoff teams and we'll probably see each other at some point in october so yeah and when that's one thing that's kind of gotten lost is you know the braves have been playing really well over the last six weeks or so but the mets you know the mets haven't been collapsing you know this lead didn't you know, the Mets division lead didn't shrink because of how poorly the Mets have been playing. The Braves have just been playing at an absurd level for six weeks. And, you know, like you said, it's a good team. They're not – I don't see a, just a full-on collapse coming unless, you know, they just get a massive run of injuries if, if Scherzer and DeGrom can't stay healthy and, and some of their hitters go down. But, you know, barring that, you know, I, I have a hard time seeing a scenario where both of these teams aren't in, aren't in the playoffs. So – yeah, I feel like, you know, you're looking at uh, two of the best teams in the National League, and then you yeah. can add the Dodgers to that mix, too. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Um, like I said, it, it is fun to see everybody get hopped up. Uh, Braves had two sellouts. Uh, I think they're up to 24 now. It, it's a good thing. But, it, you know, you have to remind yourself, too, that you know, there's still August and September to go. So, still a lot yeah. of baseball to be played. We got a couple of big topics we wanted to talk about this week. Braves made a couple of moves, actually. Uh, I think one of them was really, really surprising. Uh, They went out and uh, acquired uh, Robinson Cano to play, add to second base picture. Um, uh, Got him from the Padres for – for cash considerations, uh, brought him straight to the majors. It was funny. I kind of tweeted after that. It, it was going to be interesting to see what the what the plan was if they were just seeing him as depth or if uh, you know they were gonna they had plans for him. And obviously they did. I mean they brought him straight to the majors. Uh, did you see that coming? Was you were, did that surprise you, or do you think you know they were bringing him to to stick at Gwinnett for a little while? You know, you and I obviously talked last week, and if you didn't catch that episode. Chris and I did a full trade deadline primer, went through the entire roster, and, and kind of the conclusion that we came out of last week was the Braves' number one target is probably going to be a left-handed middle infielder of some sort that can play second. Now, obviously, we didn't expect them to immediately go trade for Robinson Cano, nor did I really have him on my radar. I mean, he's 39, 38, 39 years old. He was terrible with the Mets. He was terrible with the Padres. You know, his profile – had some kind of telltale red flags of somebody who had lost some bat speed. Um, there's kind of certain markers that you look for when that happens, and, and Cano's profile had those. And so I was very interested to see if this was just a grab him and stick him in Gwinnett in case there's another injury or if they really 
wanted him up immediately. And obviously we got our answer. They called him up immediately after they traded for him and, and then started him in the first game. So, um, and he got a couple of hits and then he was hitting the ball hard. Um, I think you put it in our notes. His first two singles were 112 and 109 miles an hour off the bat. So, um, and that was one of those. I know one of those was against Scherzer. I can't remember if both of those were against Scherzer, but um, so that was very interesting. I, I, I do have my doubts about Robinson Cano in terms of being a, a consistently productive major league hitter at this age. But when the bar that you have to clear is Phil Goslin and, you know, what Orlando Arcia was giving us the last few weeks, then he doesn't have to be very good to still be an upgrade. And I think that's kind of where the Braves were at. This was, you know, like you said, it was cast considerations, which is basically just buying a player from the Padres. Didn't give up any prospects. They're not paying any. They're paying a fraction of his salary. The Mets are paying most of his salary for the season after they, they cut him. So... It's very low risk. There's literally no downside. If he plays well, great. If he doesn't, you just let him go. So, but I was surprised. I did not have Robinson Cano on my short list of trade targets. To be to be fair, so. No, I mean honestly, I had forgotten that uh, he had taken the minor league deal uh, with the Padres yeah. after after they cut him from the major league roster. But uh, you know, it was interesting. Uh, I was down there. I heard him talk to the media. Talk, heard Brian Snicker talk about him. And one of the big things they kept pointing out was that. You know, once he got to AAA, he was playing every day, and that was something that he didn't really get to do with New York, didn't really get to do with San Diego his time. So I think he's swinging the bat better than he has been at, at any point this season. Was kind of surprised to see him get two hits. It sounds like the plan is going to be he's going to see he's going to start against right-handers, or and Orlando Arcia is going to uh, see see the left-handed side. So maybe not a strict pl- platoon, but that's kind of the that's kind of the direction it, it seems like they're heading in. David O'Brien had a great in the athletic had a great article today with some quotes from Ron Washington talking about Cano, you know, and he's another guy that's been been through a lot of ups and downs in his major league career. So I think he adds some things to the, you know, to the clubhouse. So but as you said, it's a no risk. It's a no risk situation. Uh, they there were three weeks away from the trade deadline. They can see how this works. If it if it helps helps bridge the gap to Ozzy Albee's return, you know. And if it doesn't, then they can cut bait and uh, try to acquire another second baseman or, or revisit the situation. You know, you and I in our first episode, I believe, had some really nice things to say about Orlando Arcia, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's our fault or, or what, but uh, you know, I had some tweets like, you know, why why would you do this? And it's pretty simple. I mean, when you look at it. He had a 200, a 201 weighted runs created plus in May. That was down to 82 in June, and it's down to 34 in July. He's hitting 148 with a uh, 281 OP on base percentage uh, in July. Uh, you know the bats just the bats just not the same. And um, you know, and I think I think you and I talked about the risk of playing him every day because it seems like he's gotten a little bit of exposed. Uh, so maybe, you know, splitting time will get, get him going again, and, uh, and, and we'll see. Yeah, I, I've tweeted this out a couple of times since, but, you know, I, I started to say nice things about Orlando, and, and as soon as I did, he fell off a mountain. And so we're going back to just saying not nice things about Orlando, and, and I'm assuming that's going to mean he's going to turn back on. But uh, – yeah, it was they, – they needed something. They had to do something because second base was kind of a black hole. Bill Goslin is not really a major league player at this point. Orlando Garcia is a major league player, but he's probably not a major league starter. Um, like you said, he, he'd been exposed playing every day, and 
you know, that's going to happen. That's, that's kind of what happens with when, when bench players start is they, they get exposed because they're not really, you know, they're not really talented enough to play every single day. And I'm glad you brought up that David O'Brien piece with Washington talking about Cano. Cause I, I agree. I thought it was really good. He, he compared Cano a little bit to Cole Hamels and Brace fans, you know, probably remember Cole Hamels, the, the Cole Hamels time as a, as a negative experience. But what some people may not know is that Max Fried attributes a lot of his growth as a pitcher to the time that he spent with Cole Hamels on the bench, just talking pitching. And even though the Braves didn't get a lot of, a lot out of Hamels on the field, if what he had to impart to Max is you know, the reason that we've seen this growth in, in Max Fried the last couple of years, then that $18 million they paid Paul Hamels was, was more than worth it. That was kind of the parallel he was drawn to Cano, that Cano could impart a lot of wisdom on, you know, the Braves still have a really young team. We forget that sometimes because they've had so much success, but, you know, Riley, Acuna, Alves, even Swanson, you know, the Braves, basically the entire core of the Braves, obviously Michael Harris, they're all in their 20s still and have a lot to, you know, they can get a lot from a guy like Cano who's been through 15 years of Major League Baseball. So that was a really good piece by D.O.B. on Washington and his kind of how excited he was to have Cano. And listen, you know, this is an opportunity. You know, this is a good chance for Cano to win a World Series if he plays well. You know, he's on a World Series contender. He, he It looked like his career might be over after he got cut by San Diego and Credit to him. He could have just taken all that money and gone home and laid on the beach for the rest of his career or rest of his life, but he didn't. He went to AAA. He played every day in AAA and 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 obviously did enough to for the Braves to notice. And and so they're going to try him out. And I don't really see a. I mean, when there's so little downside, there's. I mean, there's really not. There's no. There's no reason not to do it. So. Yeah, that's a good point too. And and Brian Snicker pointed that out. You know, I mean, at this at this juncture of uh, Cano's career. He could have just went home, collected his money yeah. from the Mets, and uh, um, called it a career. But I mean, the guy still wants to play, and that's something yeah. that uh, that's something that uh, Snicker talked about. You know, this this guy's ready; he's not ready to hang it up. Um, you know, one of the questions that I I fielded a lot of right after this happened was about the defense, and you know, Orlando RC had made some nice plays. I'm not real sure how good of a uh, defender. I think sometimes he's a lot like Johan Camargo. He's not the uh, quickest player, doesn't have the most range, but he's got a big arm. Uh, but Cano made a, a couple of nice nice plays in that game uh, Monday. And, uh, you know, I just think – I think at second base, you can get away with it a little bit better than you could on the uh, on the other side of the diamond. And honestly, it feels like the Braves' attitude towards defense lately – last couple of seasons or at least down the stretch last year was that they can position their way around it. Uh, so I'm not really worried too much about the defense. Uh, I think Cano can hold his own uh, as far as that goes. What, but do you, do you think it's, do you think there's any negative in, in playing him on the strong side of a platoon defensively? Well, Arcia is a really, really good defensive player. And we saw that even when the bat was struggling, he, he, he can play second base because he's a natural shortstop. And so I, it probably will be a, a small step down from Arcia, but Arcia was giving you so little at the plate that even if Cano is slightly worse, you know, if he hits it all, then it's still going to be probably a net positive. And so, like you said, you know, next year when they're not allowed to shift, then it might be a bigger deal. But this year you can, you can put your infielders wherever you want and, you know, they, you can – with shifting and, and 
the kind of defensive positioning that teams have nowadays, you can really hide a bad defender on the infield. We've seen teams, you know, not value infield defense quite as much just because you can really position and shift your way to a successful defensive team, maybe even if you don't have great individual talent on defense. And so um, I, I, it's not that big a deal to me. I don't. He made some nice plays this weekend. I, there's going to be times where he probably makes some not so nice plays just because he's 39 years old. But I, I wouldn't be that worried about it. And like you said, he is platooning, you know, and the Braves have seen a decent amount of left-handed starters this year. And so I, I don't think Garcia is just done. You know, we're still going to see quite a bit, you know, in this Washington series. I know I'm pretty sure they have Patrick Corbin coming up. And I think there's another lefty that they have this weekend. So the Braves have faced a lot more left-handed starters this year than they have in the past. So, we're still going to see a decent amount of Orlando. And I think that's probably best for both of them. You know, I don't know if Cano at his age should be playing every single day. And, and I know Arcia shouldn't be playing every single day. So I think it's probably the best of both worlds. I agree with you. And like you said, uh, you know, if, if Cano's putting up league average numbers, you know, at that point, then you can live with the drop in the defense. Now, you know, if he's struggling at the plate, then, you know, maybe there it's time to look uh, look elsewhere. But uh, it's going to be interesting lead up to the trade deadline for sure. That's another that's another uh, storyline that uh, is going to be worth following. Yeah, and it's it's I think it's important to point out this is a like this is like a two week uh, tryout for Cano because if they don't think he can do it, and if they don't know if Ozzy's going to be back, then they will go out another second baseman, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity for Cano, but I'm not, I'm not sure it's a long opportunity if he doesn't hit. I think that are, I think they're going to make a decision pretty quickly one way or the other. And if, if they don't feel like he can do it, then I do think they'll pull the plug and, and try to go add somebody a little, a little younger, a little, you know, more in the prime of their career at the deadline. Yeah, and it's uh, last thing on this, you know, it's important to know there's not been any updates on Ozzy Albies, and and there really wouldn't have been. Uh, he was put on the 60-day uh, injured list. I did see a little bit of, uh, you know, people just assuming that he's going to be back at the end of that 60 days. I mean, he could stay on the 60-day until the off season. You know, yeah. he just can't be pra- uh, activated before that. Everything sounded positive, uh, but, you know, until we have a timeline, you know, I, I think it's worth – uh, keeping a little asterisk on that as well you know just when you heard surgery uh i think it brings into play you know the possibility but you know hopefully everything goes well and and they can get him get him back uh, and also when you're when you're out that long like it, there's all there's certainly going to have to be a rehab assignment where he goes and plays in triple a for you know a week or or something around that he's not just going to be able to come back off the IL and just immediately go to the major league team. He's going to have to get back into shape. So it's going to be a while. Yeah. I mean, and, and two, it's his foot, you know I mean? And yeah. that's something, that's something that, you know, he's walking on when he's not playing. Um, right. You know, so it's going to be, you know, I hope we see Ozzy Albies again this season. I don't have any reason to think that we won't. Uh, but, you know, again, until there's a timeline, then I, you know, I think it's worth keeping, keeping uh, an eye on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
shifting gears, uh, Braves made another trade this week, and I, I don't think this was one you and I saw coming either. Atlanta sent uh, three prospects to the Kansas City Royals for a competitive bounce uh, pick, number 35 pick overall. It carries a $2.2 million slot value. Uh, Atlanta sent Drew Waters, C.J. Alexander, and Andrew Hoffman to the Royals. Um, I think that surprised a lot of people. Uh, number one, I think a lot of people forgot that uh, while you can't just trade for any pick in the in MLB draft, the the competitive balance picks can be traded. Uh, the obviously the slot value I think is the biggest biggest part of this deal. Uh, but you know it's kind of a end of an era for Drew Waters, who uh, was a second round pick. Uh, you know was top prospect. A lot of people been waiting on him to get a shot in the majors, and uh, you know now it looks like that's going to come in Kansas City. Did did this surprise you? Did you know I think we had in the back of our mind that we thought Waters could be moved at the trade deadline. Um, but you know to see it go and for a, a draft pick, I think that stunned a lot of people. Yeah. We were talking about this in our in our Slack group, but you know when I saw the tweet from Passan and it said Braves and Royals agree on a trade that sends Drew Waters, you know, and then I didn't read any more. I just assumed that you know Andrew Benatendi was was the one coming back. I just that just made so much sense. And so when you kept reading the tweet and it was for a competitive balance pick, then it was a shock. I don't. Nobody saw this. I mean, anybody who tells you they saw this coming is lying to you. Um, but it does show you just how far Drew Waters has fallen. He had really kind of kind of gotten stuck at AAA. You know, his development, he was a guy that was obviously a lot of guys his age were really hurt by the lost season in 2020. So that development time was precious for him. And, you know, he could just never figure out the strikeouts. And, you know, if you're striking out, 25 30 35% of the time at triple a then you cannot play in the majors i mean it's just you know there's not a lot of stats that you can just be that kind of cut and dry about but that's one of them if you if you strike out that much triple a you will get eaten alive at the major league level because it, it goes up exponentially once you get to the majors and so you know they were never going to put him in a major league you know on, on a major league field with those kind of contact numbers and he just you know, God love him. He just could not get it figured out. You know, maybe a change of scenery is what he needs. This, I think that's what the Royals are banking on. This is not a small deal, by the way. You know, people that don't follow the MLB draft, you know, how much money you have in your pool is the, you know, that's the currency you have for what type of players you can draft and win. The Braves now, they went from the 19th biggest pool to the 10th biggest pool. And that means when he gets to the second round or, Third round, they can they can overdraft they can draft somebody and, and pay them over slot. And that's how you get first round talent, you know, in the second or third round. Guys fall because teams don't think they can sign them. Well, you can potentially get that guy later because you have over slot money that you can pay them. And so, you know, people that don't follow the draft maybe not realize, you know, they traded Drew Waters for two million dollars. No, that's not what happened. They traded Drew Waters for $2 million in pool money, which is very, very different and a very big deal. And, you know, if you've watched the Braves the last few years, you know their their farm system has been depleted just between all the graduations to the major league team and then all the trades. You know, the Braves, I think Fangraphs put out a, their, their latest list here a couple of days ago, and I think the Braves were 30th in the league in, in, in terms of their farm system. So 
this was definitely a move to try to be able to build the farm system back up in this draft, which is something they need to focus on. It wasn't just Drew Waters. It was obviously C.J. Alexander, Andrew Hoffman. I think Andrew Hoffman might end up being the, the biggest player in this draft, honestly, or in this trade. But it was very surprising. I do like the move in terms of commentary. I do think it's a good move. I, I didn't see a path forward for Drew Waters with those kind of strikeouts. Getting this pool money is a very, very, very big deal. So um, I thought it was good. It was surprising, but it was good. Yeah, I mean, Waters, it's been quite a – it's quite a ride. Uh, I mean, uh, I saw him at, at a lot in 2018 at Rome. He finished that season at, at, with the Florida Fire Frogs. That was a high A team that year. Uh, the next year, the Braves, instead of sending him back to Florida, they sent him straight to Mississippi. And, I mean, yeah. he turned in a monster season. Uh, this was when he really started shooting up uh, top 100 list. I mean, a 144 weighted runs created plus 35 doubles in that ballpark, you know, which is, is a tough offensive environment. I mean, that was, that was a monster season. He finished the season at Gwinnett, put up decent numbers there. Um, but like you said, the strikeout rate, uh, shot up to 36%. And I think that that sent off, set off alarm bells for a lot of people. Um, you know, and then 2020, a, a lost season, he spent the whole time at the alternate training site. And then it just hasn't went, uh, hasn't gone good in uh, Gwinnett the last two seasons. You know, I had the dream of the Acuna Pache Drew Waters outfield. You know, that obviously went out the window when uh, Pache was sent to Oakland. Uh, and now this is the next part of that. And, you know, it was clear when they called up Michael Harris from Double A, you could see that, um, you know, Drew had had signed, kind of slipped as far as it went. Brian Snicker was asked about it Monday, and kind of, you know, he was like, you know, it's an opportunity, and I and I that part of it, I do, you know, I I still think Drew Waters could be a can be a major league player. You know, he's going to have to make some adjustments with the K rate, but maybe it was time to get you know a new voice, uh, new new coaches, uh, a new opportunity. Uh, the Royals are expected to move Benintendi at the deadline, and I'll be surprised if Drew Waters isn't in left field uh, when that happens. So you know, like I said, it's a it's just a reminder that nothing's guaranteed with rookies. It doesn't matter how highly ranked they are. Um, you know, there's it's just an inexact science. We see it a lot with the pitching on the pitching side, uh, but you know, this is an example right here of a uh, of a guy that had all the tools in the world, but, you know, for whatever reason, it just hasn't clicked. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a, a reminder of that. And, uh, you know, I, w I hope Drew, I'm, I'll still be pulling for Drew Waters. I, you know, I enjoyed watching him and, uh, uh, I hope he gets a shot at Kansas city. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's important to remember that the Braves as an organization develop hitters pretty well. I mean, they, you know, Austin Riley was not considered a lock in terms of, a a top prospect turning into an elite player. They had to do a lot of work with him on his approach, you know, on his swing. And they did it. I mean, they, they, they nailed it. Now Austin gets a lot of that credit too, because, you know, he is a legendary worker in terms of his work ethic. You know, everybody says he works as hard as anybody. So he gets a lot of credit, but you know, the Braves had to do a similar thing with Michael Harris. They had to make some adjustments to his hands, to his swing. It wasn't really, you know, ready made as soon as he got to the organization, they had to do some work. Same with William Petreras, you know, you know, Dansby, uh, Ozzy, Acuna was pretty much a freak from day one, but they still made some changes to Acuna. You know, you'll remember they, they moved his hands around and changed his stance. And, and so the Braves are known as an organization that can develop hitters. You saw with both with Christian Pache and with Drew Waters, 
you know, after a certain amount of time at AAA, if it's still not clicking, then it's just not, you know, the Braves, in their opinion, it's just not going to click. And they need, they need another team. They need another organization. They need another coaching staff, you know, a new set of voices telling them, you know, something else that might be able to unlock their talents because they're both very talented. You know, I made a joke on Twitter that, you know, we spent all these years debating whether or not it's going to be Christian Pache or Drew Waters. And, and the answer all along was Michael Harris. I mean, that's just kind of how it went. And that's, like you said, that's prospects. I mean, you know, I don't care how highly they're rated at one point, both Waters and Pache were top 50 prospects in terms of national rankings. And, and you could really see why they're both extremely talented, but until you can, until you can make consistent contact, until you can cut down your strikeout rate, until you can hit major league pitching, it's a crapshoot. For both of those guys, Pache and Waters, the Braves just felt like it was time to cut bait, and they got they got Matt Olson for for Pache, and then they got a bunch of draft uh, maneuverability for for Waters and a couple other guys. So, you know, and you know, the Braves outfield is pretty young, right? I mean, between Acuna and Harris, you know, they're both 20, 21 and twenty four, I think, are the two ages. So, you know, the Braves don't necessarily need you know super young. Uh, outfielders any anytime soon so I think this was an opportunity that Alex saw to add a ton of a ton of possibilities for the draft and also still trade whatever trade value was left for Drew Waters and Kansas City is hoping they can turn him around and I agree with you I hope he I hope he does they're going to trade Benintendi at some point and he's going to get a shot in the majors and you know I hope he takes full advantage because he is a super talented kid he's just got to figure out how to make contact more. That's really what it's going to come down to for him. Yeah. And I mean, you, you just mentioned a, a long list of guys that, you know, had to come to the majors and make adjustments. And I mean, that's, that's coming from Michael Harris too. You know, yep. I was, I tweeted, we was talking today about it. You know, I mean, as good as he's been, he's got a 3.1 uh, walk rate right now, which if he had enough at bats to qualify would be dead last among qualified uh qualified players and uh you know that was a that was a knock on him coming up that he was a little you know he would uh the swing you know with the uh the approach at the plate so you know he's gonna have to make adjustments we saw i mean dansby's the perfect example i mean of a guy that that kind of learned at the major league level i think another part of this trade that um probably hasn't been talked about as much as waters was on the 40-man roster and uh yeah you know, if I had to put him on the 40 man last offseason, protect him from the rule five draft. And, you know, if they knew he wasn't going to be in the picture, uh, the outfield picture next year, uh, then, you know, they probably didn't need to keep him on the on the 40 man. So, you know, that's a that, that's an, uh, a small part of this. Uh, it did clear up a roster spot. And, um, you know, like I said, just wish him well. Uh, hope he hope he gets an opportunity and uh, maybe we'll see him down the road. And people do forget about that. You know, obviously, once you get put on the 40-man roster as a prospect, you get paid a lot more money. You're part of the MLB union. Like a lot of – it's a lot of it's – a, it's a very big milestone for, for a prospect to be put on the 40-man. But the downside is once you're on that 40-man, you have to produce at a, at a decent clip or a team is going to move on because those 40-man spots – I mean, we talk about it every year. I mean, heck, we talk about it every week, you know, about do they have an open 40-man spot? Do they need to make a move? Do they have to cut somebody? You know, 40-man spots are worth their weight in gold in this sport. And as big a deal as it is to be put on the 40-man roster as a prospect, once you're there, you you have to continue to give the team a reason to keep you there or they're going to move on. And so, 
you know, that's where Drew was at. And that's kind of where Pache was at was they were on the 40 men. They were taking up valuable spots and their production really didn't justify those spots anymore. And so the Braves had to, to make a move. And, you know, that's a good lesson for all the prospects coming up, you know, this year, next year, whenever is once you get put on that 40 man, you know, in a sense, the, the clock is ticking for you to become a productive major league player, because if you're not, then they, you know, teams can't afford to have guys on their 40 man roster who cannot contribute at the major league level. There's just not enough roster spots for that to happen. So, um, you know, Drew definitely got caught up in kind of a numbers game, but, you know, and it's going to be the same thing in Kansas City. You know, once he once you're on that 40 man, you know, it's it, the, the, the clock starts in terms of you being a, a productive major league player. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All-Star selections came out. Uh, I think you and I talked about the starters that were voted in and and speculated on who might be named as a reserve. Braves are going to be well-represented. Five five players headed there, plus uh, Brian Snicker and his coaching staff. So Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to start. Uh, they announced uh, William Contreras. He was the second second um, most vote getter for uh, DH. He's going to replace Bryce Harper in the starting lineup. So the Contreras brothers are going to start an All Star game, which is a very cool uh, cool thing. Travis Darno, Dansby Swanson, and Max Freed were also named uh, to the to the team as uh, reserves. Austin Riley was not. Or uh, did what did you think about the uh, All Star selections? Were you surprised? Um, you know, I think you and I kind of we kind of went through everybody, and we wasn't sure how many was going to get there. I think Contreras getting there uh, surprised me. I wasn't real sure about the rules as far as that going, uh, but it's very a very cool moment for him and uh, for the Braves too. Yeah, Dansby was always going to make it. He's had a great first half. The only question with him was was he going to start over Turner or was he going to be the backup? Turner won the vote, obviously, but Dansby was always going to be there. Max Fried was always going to be there. He's just had an amazing first half, although the, the pitching in the National League is ridiculous. There are some guys who didn't make it who have, you know, Aaron Nola didn't make the team, and that's kind of wild. Uh, Zach Wheeler didn't make the team either. But, um, you know, that's just the nature of pitching in the National League these days. Um, but obviously Acuna was the number one vote getter. He probably, you know, Acuna is probably not having an all-star year at this point, although he's having a very good year, better than people think, but it's probably not an all-star year. But, you know, I said this, I think, last week or the week before. You know, last year he was the best player in baseball. He was, he was going to run away with MVP, and, and he, he didn't even get a chance to go to the game because of his injury it happened right before the all-star break. So I'm really not that upset about that. Then Contreras, I was surprised. I, you know, I, don't, I didn't really know the rules about if – because the, the first guy, the – Bryce Harper was voted as the starting DH. I didn't know if they just had to take the second guy or if they would pick someone else, but apparently they just take the second guy. And so he, him getting to start with his brother is kind of amazing. If you've never, Scott talked about this on the, um, on the latest podcast, the, the main, on the main show. But um, if you've never read like the Contreras story, the brothers and kind of how, you know, Wilson had to leave his family to go on to kind of, make his, you know, make his career as a, as a player and 
And if you've never read their whole story, it's actually pretty amazing. You should definitely go look it up. But really cool to see those guys. And obviously, Darno, you know, catching at the major league level is very scarce. There's not a lot of great catching. And so even though Darno is probably not, you know, the first guy that comes to mind when you think of all-star selections for the Braves, you know, the kind of production he's put up, it actually really is all-star level relative to catchers. So, but yeah, the big stub. Well, I think there's two big snubs. Riley is the one that everyone's talking about because, I mean, he's just been a monster. And he's especially been a monster over the last two weeks since really since July started. Um, he's got – I think he hit his 25th homer today. I think that's right. That's great. He's got, yeah. 20, got 25 homers before the All-Star break, which is just bananas. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely a snub. But third base is just so deep. I mean, when you have Machado and Arenado, both who are having – you know, I'm not going to bash either one of those guys. Those guys are having tremendous years. And, and those guys play better defense than Austin. And a lot of this comes down to war a lot of the times. And, you know, war factors in defense and base running. And and Austin is not having a tremendous year defensively. And that definitely hurt him a little bit. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Austin got in as a replacement if somebody got hurt in this, you know, this last series before the break. So there's a chance he could still be there. But also, you know, I think – AJ Minter, AJ Minter has been like one of the three or four best relievers in all of baseball the first half. And so, and look, I get, I get how the politics work. If you're not a closer, if you're not racking up saves, it's very, very hard for you to get to the all-star game. But, you know, I was kind of hoping we were past using saves as a benchmark for this stuff. You know, there's, there's numbers we can use now to really quantify how good guys have been. And, you know, AJ Minter not getting there was, it was annoying. For me, I just, you know, he's been so, so good. The bullpen, outside of A.J. Minter, there's been a lot of ups and downs in the Braves' bullpen this year in terms of health and production and velocity and stuff. And, and you know, Minter has kind of been the the constant this whole time. And so I was hoping he would get a chance to, you know, be rewarded for the kind of seasons he's had so far. But, you know, like I said, pitching in the National League is just absurd. And if you're not a starter or a, a designated closer, then you're there's – really not that many spots for you which is wild considering how much relievers are used in today's game you know I think we probably need to go back to the drawing board and and start appreciating some of these guys considering how valuable they are in in the modern game but that's a whole rant for a a different show but yeah um, Riley and Mincer are the two guys that come to mind as snubs but you know that happens not that upset about it. It's just more annoying than anything else. But, you know, congrats to the guys that are going. It's going to be fun. Acuna is going to do the home run derby. You know, I'm actually not – you know, some people – I saw a lot of people upset that he was going to do the home run derby just because he's had some health issues this year. I'm actually kind of glad that he's doing the home run derby. You know, if you watched Acuna this year, um, what's killed his power is that the fact that he's just hitting a million ground balls. Um, and You know, you can't hit ground balls over the fence. And so if he goes to the home run derby and – and gets that feeling back of, of being able to elevate pitches and hit them over the fence, then I don't think that's that, that, that bad of a deal, honestly. And, you know, obviously you want him to stay healthy, but um, him getting the feeling back to driving the ball and getting it off the ground, you know, that might unlock the monster that we know Acuna is and, and might unlock a pretty special second half. So I'm not that upset about it. it I, I saw the other contenders for the Derby. It's actually going to be a pretty fun Derby this year so. Uh, but good for all the Braves, you know, all-stars are a big deal for players in terms of their career. So good for them. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, you know, I feel like Acuna was kind of made for these type of moments. Uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully you can get him 
springboard and uh, get started and have and a I, big, I, big second half. I will say this about the All-Star game. You and I talked about the All-Star game a couple episodes ago, and it's not my favorite thing anymore. But I do – I would rather they focus on stars versus guys who might just be having, like, fluky first halves, you know. Um, I would rather see – you know, there was a big talk about Clayton Kershaw and should he start or, you know, should Albert Pujols be there just as a legacy. Like, this is an exhibition game where MLB should be trying to showcase as many of their stars as possible. So that's what they should do. And, you know, if a guy like Acuna is not having the greatest year, you know, he hasn't been healthy all year, and whatever. He's one of your stars. He's one of your most exciting players. Same with, you know, Kershaw is a legend. Pujols is a legend. Like, this, this is the event to showcase your superstars. And even if they're not the guys having the absolute best first half of the season, I think that's where the focus should be. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Uh, this was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Uh, appreciate you doing this every week as always. Um, it's going to be a busy week for us. Uh, got four game series coming up with the nationals, but the MLB draft starts on Sunday. We're going to have wall to wall coverage of, of the draft every day. Road to Atlanta is going to be doing daily draft recap shows. So if you've not sub- subscribed to the podcast, you know, this is a great time to do so. Uh, those guys can jump on there and tell you what happened, why it happened, and, uh, you know, what you need to know and what you need to expect. We're going to have daily trackers going on, and we'll have as well as uh, uh, an instant analysis or pretty quick analysis of each pick as it comes out. So, um, you know, be, give us a give us a try if you if you visit the site often. We appreciate it, and uh, you know, be sure to check us out over the weekend. We'll be covering the home run derby and the All Star game as well, and then getting ready for the stretch run. Uh, Stephen, you got anything else you want to talk about? Nope. I'll just say that deal that they made with Kansas City. You know, the Braves uh, are pretty big players in the draft now versus what they would have been without the trade. So. You're a Braves fan, you know, if you care about the, the farm system, you know, the draft is going to be a big deal. It's even a bigger deal now that they made this trade and have more money to play with. So definitely, you know, Road to Atlanta does an amazing job. I think we have some of the best prospect coverage, probably the best prospect coverage, honestly, out there. So, you know, you definitely need to follow along. We have tons of content for the draft coming. Um, like I said, those guys just do a tremendous job. And we were going to we are going to cover it wall to wall. We will have every pick. Um, all the analysis. So make sure you're subscribed and yeah, come check out the site. More to do's, less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.